David is king, and now the Moabites are his servant. And this is one of the enemies of Israel. This is all gonna happen now. We're gonna see the rise of King David. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is, of course, Bible Discovery TV. We are looking at 2 Samuel 8 in five minutes. Gonna talk about it. It's going to be very, very good. So stay there. Corey is here, Corey. I'm going to be taking a look at Joab, the commander of David's army. Ryan? Today, I'm looking at the life of the warrior, prophet, poet, and king, David. Yeah, this is, this is really interesting. They're coming up in about 20 minutes, and Janice is coming up in about 25 minutes. Janice, what are you talking about? The assurance of God's saving work. All right, so this is all happening today as we see the rise of David and his kingdom, and we understand what's going on. We're going to learn about the political structure. We get in the Chronicles. We'll learn about the spiritual structure. Very interesting. All right, let's get the Bible out and listen to what God says. Second Samuel 8, 1 through 8. After this it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Metheg Ammah from the hand of the Philistines. Then he defeated Moab. Forcing them down to the ground, he measured them off with a line. With two lines, he measured off those to be put to death, and with one full line, those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. David also defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his territory at the river Euphrates. David took from him 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. When the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David killed 22,000 of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought tribute. So the Lord preserved David wherever he went. And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. Also from Beta and from Barathai, cities of Hadadezer, King David took a large amount of bronze. 2 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Well, today we read 2 Samuel 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. I'll tell you, this is really something as we go through the Bible. David continues to conquer the land which God has given Israel, completing the work of the tribes of Israel that they were tasked to do back in the book of Joshua, but never really finished doing it. Now, much was left undone in ancient Israel, but David, following the instructions of the Lord, completed it. David grew up a shepherd of his father's sheep. Yet it was the Lord who used this time to teach and establish David for the future. David had no special training for how to be successful as a king. Now what the Lord placed deep inside of David's heart was to learn the importance of faithfully following and doing his word. 
We can see David's success and remember that we need training too, which the Lord has destined us to have. Our success as Christians depends on the condition of our hearts. Do we truly, really serve God? Are we attentive and disciplined to focus our minds, focus our attitudes, making sure we keep God's word? How we answer these questions determines the truth about our success. Success is not built on how much we earn or have, but who and what we choose to follow. Now, I choose the living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who do you follow? Very important. Take your Bible guide and get a hold of it today. This is the Bible guide. And if you don't have yours, this is why you need to get a hold of it so you can read it. It takes you through the Bible. You can also get a hold of yours on thestreamtv.com. And when you go there, click on the page where it's at, and it will take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. It's very important. And then it'll take you to a page where you can download it exactly how we printed it. Very, very important. Today, David's success. A lot of people think, well, it's King David. You know, it was because, it, no, no, it was, it's the Lord. The Lord was responding to David and made him successful. So, Father, today we pray that you would teach us something as we read your scripture. You would teach us the true meaning of what your Holy Spirit desires us to know. Help us, Father, to understand that you've called us to specific tasks. And as we get in line with your calling, that you would teach us your ways and show us your paths. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. As we do that, let's take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 8. 2 Samuel chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Here is what the scripture says. After this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and he subdued them. And David took Methag, and Emma from the hand of the Philistines. And then he defeated Moab, forcing them down to the ground. He measured them off with a line. With two lines, he measured off those to be put to death. And with one full line, those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. The Moabites, can you believe that? The Moabites became David's servants. Beloved, we must keep our minds focused on God's ways as he gives us the right to do and fulfill his will, not ours. You see, God's will is something that God has already created for us to get in line with. When we get in line with his will, our lives are much better. Now, the enemy, he tries to stop us by fighting us, but he can't because every time he throws a grenade at us or a mortar shell at us, it's stopped by God's iron dome. If something gets through and we hit something, God rescues us and heals us. Very important to remember that. So let's keep that in mind. Now let's go back to the scripture in 2 Samuel 8, beginning with verse 3, and let's look at more. David also defeated Hadazer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his territory at the river Euphrates. David took from him 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. 
Now, when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadassar, king of Zobah, David killed 22,000 of the Syrians. David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought tribute. So the Lord preserved David wherever he went. I want to tell you, this guy was powerful. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. God favors those who truly follow his ways and journey on his path. Now, I know that we are in a very different place today than they were back then because Jesus Christ has come and died on the cross and put the battle into the spiritual. The battle left the physical and went into the spiritual. And so we fight not against flesh and blood, but we fight in the spiritual world. This becomes very important because so many people are misunderstanding their timing and they're fighting in the physical. And I ask myself, why are they doing that? And it's important for us to remember that the Lord wins the battles for us if we understand like David and we follow like David, the Lord. Very, very important. Now, what happened? We look at chapter eight, verses seven and eight. Look at this carefully. Here's what it says. And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Hadassar and brought them to Jerusalem. Shields of gold? Absolutely. Also from Beta, from Barothai, cities of Hadassar, King David took a large amount of bronze. So this is really important. We need to remember this. God gave wealth to David besides the land of Israel. Wealth beside the land of Israel. Now, God gives us everything we need to complete his will in our lives. Many people forget that our lives are not just here, but we have gained eternity with Jesus. When we came to Jesus Christ and we said, Lord Jesus, I, I believe in my heart you are the Lord. And we said, that changes things in my life. I'm going to move my attitude against sin, and I'm going to look to you, not to the things of this world. I'm not looking for places or people to satisfy my desires. I look to you. You are the one who answers the questions in my life. Lord, you are the one who satisfies the desires of my heart. Lord, you are the one who fulfills all the needs that I have, and I come to you. When we do that, something happens. God comes into our heart and we say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. He forgives us of our sin. And all of a sudden, our spirit is born again. And when you know that, you understand that now you're living forever. Now your life has become eternal. I mean eternal. So you're going to live forever. So the time we have here on earth is just a short period of time. When God fulfills the time we have on earth with what we are called to do in heaven, that's important because time down here just teaches us what we're geared for in heaven. And as we focus our will to be the will of God, as we focus all of those things to go in God's direction, well, I'll tell you, things change for us and we begin to understand that the Lord is here. And so, beloved, we need to align our hearts and align our wills with the will of God. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, uh, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. 
But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Welcome back to the program. Today our reading assignment is 2 Samuel chapters 8 through 12. And all of these chapters are about David. So I thought it would be really fitting to take a close-up look at his life and career. Now, he has a fascinating history and an impressive resume. He was a king, a warrior, a poet, and even a prophet. Check it out. No one in the entire Bible is as well known about as King David, even Jesus Christ. This is because no other biblical biography is so complete, as it spans virtually his entire life, from boyhood to death. His name occurs over a thousand times in the Bible, including 53 times in the New Testament. The story of David and his bloodline is also featured in six books of the Old Testament. David was a warrior king, musician, and poet. In fact, he is the principal poet of the Psalms. Interestingly, there is only scarce mention of music for worship in the public life of Israel prior to David. Music as worship and the Psalms as a genre of song and poetry are part of the legacy left by David. Also, the hereditary bloodline of King David will become the only legitimate royal bloodline in Jewish history. From him will come all the future kings of Judah and ultimately the Messiah. We first meet David in 1 Samuel 16. He is a ruddy, bright-eyed, good-looking shepherd boy, but the youngest of Jesse's sons and an unlikely candidate for Israel's second king. In fact, David was not even fully Jewish, since his great-grandmother Ruth came from Jordan. However, God was not interested in David's outward appearance, but in his heart. Indeed, the Lord himself described David as a man after mine own heart. Before becoming king, David would first serve as King Saul's armor-bearer and musician. Saul was greatly troubled by a distressing spirit from the Lord, and it would only leave him when David would play his harp. Interestingly, the great psalm scroll, found among the Dead Sea Scrolls, credits David with writing four songs for charming the demon-possessed with music. Additionally, according to Jewish lore, David, as well as his son Solomon, were skilled exorcists. David would go on to defeat the arrogant Philistine champion Goliath, and eventually be crowned king. As king, he united the Hebrew tribes into one nation, with Jerusalem as the capital city, and defeated many enemy nations. Though David was a great king, he was by no means a perfect one. 2 Samuel 11 records his unfortunate affair with Bathsheba and the subsequent murder of her husband Uriah. Though he later repented, the consequences of his sin would manifest in a great deal of family tragedy. Although David sinned on a number of occasions, his heart was always open to God's correction and was sincerely repentant. He did not presume God's mercy, but instead considered how he had offended God and returned to right paths. He was counted as righteous, and Jesus also held him in high regard and often recited his psalms. Truly, David was a man after God's own heart and should ultimately be regarded as a biblical hero. So although King David wasn't a perfect man, he foresaw a man who would be, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was not only fully man, but fully God too. Jesus is the heir of King David, who has the right to sit on his throne, and he is coming back soon to do just that. The question is, are you ready? Have you prepared yourself for eternity? 
If Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior, then you need to do that before it's too late. And I know I quote this Bible passage often, but it really bears repeating. Isaiah the prophet warns us to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. And he does freely pardon. That is excellent. Uh, very good, Ryan. Okay, now, Corey, uh, what are you doing today? Okay, I'm going to be taking a look at Joab, who was the nephew of King David, but he was also the commander of David's army. And I feel like Joab often gets a really bad rap in this time period. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, on paper, at least, I think I really like Joab. Take a look. Joab was the army commander of famous King David. The Bible dedicates quite a bit of space to recording Joab's life, which taken all together is impressive, brutal, and tragic. The Bible introduces us to Joab in 2 Samuel when David was the king of the tribe of Judah ruling from Hebron. Backing and enforcing David's rule were the many warriors he had acquired during his years fighting for King Saul and then as a man on the run from King Saul. Head of this tried-and-true fighting force of David was his nephew, Joab. Since David was the youngest of seven brothers and two sisters, Joab may have been older, the same age, or younger than his uncle David. And he wasn't the only nephew of David to become a warrior. Joab's brothers Abisha and Azael had also risen to fame in David's military, Abisha as a top commander and Azael as a skilled warrior. The Bible tells us that Joab's climb to commander-in-chief was accomplished by leading the successful assault on Jerusalem, claiming it for David's new capital city. Despite his fame, Joab did make some questionable choices, three of which eventually cost him his life. First, a vengeance killing. When David was at war with King Saul's son and his military commander Abner, who seems to have been pulling the strings, Joab's brother Azael, who may have been unarmed and trying to shame Abner, was killed by him. Later, after David had made a deal with Abner to reunite the kingdom under David, Joab killed Abner to avenge the blood of his brother. Another bold choice came in a war against David's own son, Absalom. Though Absalom was out for David's blood, the king had commanded to take Absalom alive. In battle, Joab ignored this order and killed Absalom. His third brutal act was again likely motivated by a desire to protect David's rule. The man who had led Absalom's civil war against David was named Amasa, and in a probable attempt to unite the country, David had promised to give him Joab's job, commander of Israel's army. As soon as Joab had the chance, he killed him. David either didn't really mind this action or was afraid of Joab's popularity because he gave Joab his job back. It wasn't until the very end of his life when David would tell Solomon to find a way to kill Joab in return. For all accounts and purposes, Joab seems to have been a man of deep loyalty to his uncle, King David, and to the Lord, as he had resisted some of David's ungodly decisions to his face. This loyalty paired with self-preservation made for an interesting life. As do Joab's last actions. He ran to the altar of God for sanctuary. When Solomon ordered him executed anyways, Joab refused to leave, preferring to be executed in the presence of his ultimate judge, the God of Israel. 
Okay, so during the break, I caught a little bit of flack from Dad and Ryan for saying that I like Joab on paper. Okay, and maybe, maybe rightfully so. I know he was a really brutal guy. He seems like a really intense person, so I don't know if I'd like him in person, face to face. But on paper, at least, I mean, hear me out. I empathize with Joab's loyalty. Everything that he did, he seems to have done.、Uh, you know, to keep、uh, David on the throne. And let's not forget. That he tried to stop David over and over from sinning against God, so that was good. And and hear me out: the people that he killed, like we've already talked about in the segment,、uh, you know, I, I empathize with his sense of justice because he he the people that he killed were either overtly trying to take over David's throne or were potentially guilty of a war crime of of killing someone who was unarmed, and that was a debate that was had between Joab and David and. It didn't go so well for them, but I also really love David's final stand guy. I mean, Joab's final stand guy, where he he, he grabs onto the horns of the altar. You know, in this final stand, you know, God will be my judge. If you're going to kill me, fine, but kill me here in the presence of God. I, I know, guys. He sounds brutal. <laughs>、okay. I know.、So、just don't get on his bad side. That's that's <laughs> you know. right. Yeah. <laughs> don't try to overthrow David, and don't kill someone that he loves who's unarmed. I can but, do those but, things. Okay. He, but he <laughs> held onto the altar, and he said, "God is my judge." Okay.、Yeah. So when we get to heaven, we're going to see if he's there. And he,、uh, he's a loyal dude, so we'll <laughs> okay, we'll see if he's there. And I, we can't say for sure because God is the judge. So there you go. Fair enough. That's simple. Fair enough. That's what I'm、I'll、saying. I'll take it. <laughs> I didn't like him though. But anyway, go ahead. And my my segment today is called the assurance of God's saving work. So there you go.、Mm. You know, we take a look at this chapter, Second、uh, Samuel chapter eight, and it's David's further conquests is really the title of this chapter. And we see the armies and the kings and the territories that David defeated because God was directing David in the steps that he took. And we see in verse fourteen of this chapter, it says this: "And the Lord preserved David." Wherever he went, I, I took as my key verse Second Samuel eight verse four.、Uh, David had defeated the Assyrians, and it says in verse four, David took from him one thousand chariots, seven hundred horsemen, and twenty thousand foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for one hundred chariots. And I thought, isn't that interesting? David may have hamstrung these horses because they weren't useful for most of Israel's rugged land. But in this in this verse, we see that David really confirms what he said in Psalm twenty that he really believed that victory didn't depend on horses but on God's will. What am I talking about? Well, let's turn to Psalm twenty. And it's titled "The Assurance of God's Saving Work." I'm going to skip down for time's sake here. To verse six, we're going to read from verse six to nine. So this is what David had written.、Um, actually, I'm going to read up to verse three, and then I'm going to skip down. Here's what David starts by saying: "May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May He send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May He remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice." And then it says Selah. Skip down to verse six. With this in mind, now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. He will answer him from His holy heaven with the saving strength of His right hand. Some trust in chariots 
and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. May the king answer us when we call. Isn't that a mm. great psalm? Mm. David, yes, made a lot of mistakes. We're going through the Bible. It's about real people in real circumstances. And it's easy for us to sit and make our judgments like Joab, mm -hmm. like Samuel, mm -hmm. like Saul, and all the way through. And yet we are people. We are imperfect people because sin has become a part of who we are. And it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is only through him that can make us right before God, that we can be reconciled to God our Father. This special relationship that we can have, this assurance of God's saving work, if we but accept the gift that God extends through his son, Jesus Christ. I think that's very important to remember that because we are people who, and, and I think that God has assigned us uh, in eternity. He's assigned our workload. He gives us new names that we don't know until we get to heaven, all that stuff. But he assigns us and he develops us in this life for our afterlife and all of that. So God knows so much more than we do. And in his judgment and all of that, he understands that people are going to make judgments based on what's here and now. Mm -hmm. But God says, hold on, because there's also what's coming and I know what's coming and you don't. So that's the thing to remember. That's where we have to put our trust. And that's where we have to put our, our trust. Our trust has to be in God. Our trust has to be in his word, in his faithfulness. And that is what develops yeah. with our relationship with God is when we're in that relationship, we can understand then his faithfulness to us. If we see him as somebody who knows the future, if we see him as somebody who's omnipresent, somebody who is uh, everywhere mm -hmm. and knows all times, and we need to keep that in mind. So this is a great study and we're going to continue the study on the next program. I would encourage you to join us. Uh, as we go through this. And again, uh, like the program uh, if you do, and then uh, you can share the program with whoever you wish. I want to tell you that if you look Pastor Rod Hembry up on YouTube and you go to that channel, you'll find videos there and everything that we do for you. And we, we don't air it on television, but we do it for you. Uh, that's very important. And you can subscribe to it and be notified and watch the videos when you want to. So that's very, very important. That's in YouTube, PastorRodHembry.com. Today, let's pray. And we say, Lord, help me to do all my business in my life. Help me to do everything in my life according to your will. 